Hi, and welcome to the Confident Woman Podcast. I'm Rachel. And I'm Erin. And we're here to keep it real, raw, and what it means to be the confident woman. All right, so today we're talking about anxiety, which sometimes just hearing the word gives me anxiety too. But I know a lot of people that we talk to, especially around this time of year, or just hitting certain ages or looking at different parts of our lives, we can get pretty anxious thinking about things that we can control, things we can't control. So our guest today, Tiffany, she has a ton of experience um, in dealing with anxiety. I mean, she's going to tell her story of what has happened to her and how she was able to climb out of that hole, I guess, of anxiety and come up with different strategies where now she's helping to coach other women um, that are dealing with the same issues. So I think this is something today that a lot of people can get a lot of value out of listening because I don't know one person that hasn't had anxiety at one point or another. So. Agreed. Thank you. So yes, speaking of anxiety, especially this time of year, huge. So welcome, welcome, Tiffany. We're super excited to have you. So we'll just jump right in. And do you want to share a bit about how you got started? Kind of what is your background with it? Yeah. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here as well. So when I was in college, I've lived the day-to-day normal life, just like any college student would, you know, drinking on the weekends, Mm. tests during the week, studying in the evenings during the week when you can and what have you. So I actually experienced my first anxiety attack when I was a junior in college. I didn't know what was happening. I thought maybe I was a little bit dehydrated or my sugar dropped because my hands got super sweaty and I felt like I just, I was, by the way, I was in the middle of a lecture. So I just, something just didn't feel right. My hands started to sweat and I just felt this rush of like, get up and run, like you needed to leave. And so I just kind of looked around and everything was like, kind of fuzzy Mm -hmm. and happening really fast. It seemed like everyone was speaking really quickly and I didn't know what to do. So I got up and used the restroom. I thought like, okay, maybe I'll just change scenes for a second. Got up, went to the bathroom and came back and I couldn't settle down. I mean, Mm -hmm. if you were looking at me, you wouldn't have any idea, but my thoughts and my head were racing. My heart was pumping out of my chest. So I just took that decision to get up, pack my things up and leave and go lay down because I didn't know what was happening to me. And so that was my very first experience. And even then I didn't know what was happening, but I did leave and I went to take a nap. And some people refer to this as fight or flight. So obviously I was flighting. So got up and left. So that was my very first experience with anxiety or a panic attack as most people would call it. Nothing happened after that. I felt fine the next day, nothing abnormal. But the longer I was in college, the more frequent this was happening. And finally, I decided to call the doctor because I I thought something was wrong. I'm like, I'm having a heart attack. I'm 22 years old. Something's not meshing with me. And of course, I'm, I'm extremely health conscious as it is. So to feel my heart beating rather quickly and not knowing what to do and having zero control over what's happening made me even more anxious and stressed. So the doctor diagnosed me with anxiety and gave me a few options, of course, medication. And I am a huge proponent of holistic healing and that sort of thing. So I'm like, absolutely not. Like, is there something that I can do 
with my health to kind of get back on track. And I think a lot of people suffer with anxiety because they like to have control. And this is something you simply don't have control over in the moment once you're already experiencing that coming over you. So he's like, you know, just eat a clean diet and exercise, which I was doing for the most part. I thought I was healthy. You know, anyone looking at me would assume I was healthy because I'm small and fit. So I um, actually started to do this a little bit more and noticed that it decreased, but I would still have a spike here and there. And I was just beside myself. So I started digging in and researching anxiety, reading a lot of self-development books and people's take on it and that kind of thing, listening to a lot of podcasts. And really what anxiety is, is a thought. So it's nothing symptomatic in your body or anything like that. It actually starts out as a thought. And once we start attaching emotions to that thought, that's when we really start to experience those physical reactions in our body. So fight or flight, your heart is pounding out of your chest, your hands start to sweat, you feel nervous, or like you just have to flee. So that's something that a lot of people don't understand is anxiety simply starts out as a thought. And once you accept that, you can then manage it a lot better than just getting up and running when, when you think something's going to happen, you know? Yeah. So that's kind of my background and my story with how things got started. So, okay, good. Good stuff. I, I have a few questions though on your story. So did you notice like after your first panic attack that you had them more, like, did you notice like certain triggers? Obviously you said thoughts. So were there certain thoughts that you were having that would trigger this that you notice like a pattern? Yeah, not right away. I didn't. I didn't notice any sort of pattern immediately other than that I was having them. And it's hard for me to go back, you know, 10 years ago and identify what I was thinking about when I first started experiencing that. I will say though, I was very close with my grandfather who passed away two years ago and he was battling some health issues for quite some time. And I did notice when I would start to think about him and his health that it would actually create anxiety for me as well. So being away from home in college, I still talk to him regularly. And when something wasn't sitting right with him or a test result came back, negatively or something, I noticed that that started to create these patterns of anxiety. So the very first time, I'm not exactly sure what triggered it, but I did notice that when he wasn't doing well, I was also anxious. Right. So it sounds like like a lot of fear behind that, right? Definitely. A lot of fear-based triggers. I think like we all kind of have this, I think everybody, like you said, experiences anxiety at some extent in our lives and whether like kind of, I guess maybe if there's certain levels and there's some that as they snowball, these fears and these triggers and emotions consider, they all compound and eventually that kind of leads to a breaking point. At what point do you think that most people should kind of become aware of if this is just something that's a one-time incident or if it's going to compound, when would you... I guess, suggest seeking help on that? 
Yeah. So if it's something that you're ex- like experiencing one time every six months, I don't think it's anything dramatic. When it starts to become more frequent, if it's weekly, monthly, daily, mine were daily for quite some time actually. And it was absolutely devastating to me. I could barely function when I was alone. So it was very weird because a lot of people actually have the opposite. They actually experience anxiety within themselves. But mine was always when I was alone. I didn't want to be alone because I thought if something was going to happen to me, I would want someone to be there. So it was very much health-related. I thought my heart was going to go bad or something health-related to that. So I would definitely start seeking some sort of help, whether that's talk therapy or even asking a doctor for what they would recommend as far as if this starts happening more frequently. And I would say if it's happening once a month or more, definitely seek help. Yeah, that's some great advice because I think so many people, we just try to push that aside and just think it's, you know, not now. I don't have time. I don't know what this is. It just feels icky, weird whatever, I'm just going to ignore it and hopefully it'll go away. And I think once we start, we experience it once, it's kind of something that would stick into our memory bank. Like, oh, that was an awful feeling. Next time something like that comes up, I need to be more aware. And what am I doing? Are there emotional triggers? Is it something I'm seeing, thinking, experiencing? Just kind of really being aware of that. I feel like it's really beneficial to anyone going through it. Sure. And like you said, some people chalk this up as like, oh, I felt weird today or something. They don't know it's anxiety or even that there was a trigger right away. They just thought, you know, maybe I ate something weird and it's creating some sort of emotion or physical symptom in my body. So some people don't know, especially if they've never experienced it or even if they don't experience it frequently, they just simply don't know what it is. So... People that experience like anxiety daily, are you saying like, okay, like a whole like anxiety attack every single day or just like an overall feeling, I guess? Yeah, it's a little bit of both because personally, I think it was my mom had a best friend. She died of a heart attack and that triggered some serious fear in me because going back, I already thought I had heart issues because when I felt anxious... My heart would be, I could barely catch my breath. I mean, I I had a more extreme case for quite some time until I started to understand what was happening. I mean, I had my heart checked just to be sure, just because I, I didn't know what was happening. And I was experiencing it daily. So it definitely does happen. It, it feels a little different to some people than to others. Right. That's something we have to understand too. So sometimes I might feel like, I'm dying. Other people might just feel uncomfortable or that they need to drink water in order to like calm down. Right. It's just hard to wrap your brain around sometimes, I guess, for someone like if you haven't experienced that, you know, like I would say like I've had anxiety in the sense of like, all right, public speaking that that minute before you're about to go on stage, you whatever, but there's things I can do, say to myself or do physically to like make me feel better. You know what I mean? Anxiety, like getting on a plane, there's like a minute of anxiety, you know? So for me, I guess like for like, it's hard to wrap your brain around that. Cause for me, it's not like you said, like, I don't have those issues. Like you said, like where it's an everyday, whatever, I guess. So like, like how would you define anxiety? I guess like, cause it can be all those things, whether it's 30 seconds before you're about to speak, which is normal. Probably most people experience that versus wow, I have a serious, this is things that are happening every day. I notice these thoughts in my head. 
Yeah, I don't think there's a true definition because like you said, a lot of people experience it a little bit differently. So there's not a set definition. Sometimes, like you said, a lot of people get nervous right before they they speak, but you hit the net, the head on the nail on the head. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Because you said, I have things that I can tell myself to calm myself down. And that really is key when you're feeling anxious, because a lot of times what happens is we start repeating this pattern in our head, especially if we're prone to these anxiety attacks daily. So we're telling ourselves, oh my gosh, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. Or we can, we can do what exactly what you said, Aaron, or, you know, I have something I can tell myself before I get on stage to kind of calm myself down. So instead of telling yourself, I'm going to die, I'm going to die, I'm going to die, I need to leave. (laughs) You can say, this has happened before. I'm going to get through this. It typically only lasts for 30 seconds in your body unless you start attaching these negative emotions to it. So if you acknowledge, hey, I'm having a panic attack, it's only going to last for 30 seconds in your body physically until you acknowledge that it unless you attach something else to it, some sort of emotion, like if you're going to tell yourself you're going to die, obviously that's going to create something else in your body. Whereas if you have that 30 seconds in your physical body to tell yourself, hey, I've gotten through this before. I'm going to get through it again. It's going to last 30 seconds. If I need to get up and take a fresh a walk outside to catch some fresh air, I'm going to do that and I'm going to be fine. Right. So it's almost like just identifying it recognizing what it is and managing it. Right. And I think it, it ultimately comes down to self-awareness because you can, you could feel the physical change through your body, but you need to connect your mind and your body to put the two together. And then once you realize those are triggers, almost like hold your breath and just repeat this, this shall pass, this shall pass. And it's almost like 30 seconds later, you've gone through the wave because you've been focusing on something different than what's physically happening. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's exactly right, Rachel. That, that's yeah. something that I, I know that I do. And so like how Aaron has said, you can, you can recognize it and just sit with it and be like, oh my gosh, this is happening to me. Or you can just kind of be in riding the wave through instead of resisting the wave as you go through it. But from your experience, do you, do you find that anxiety is always a negative? Um, that's a really good question, Rachel. I don't that is a great think question, so. Rachel. <laughs> I actually find it as as a positive, and yeah. it depends on what what and where you're at. Say, for example, it's almost like an adrenaline rush that you get the thrill, the rush, and the excitement. Right. Or on the flip side, it can just cripple you. Right. And so it can. I feel like it could be used on both ends. Yeah, and actually, that's one of the techniques that I use. I still, you know, get anxious feelings sometimes now. But a trick that I have is I'm not anxious. I'm excited. Like you said, you use it to your advantage because actually it's the same. There's been a study that it's actually the same chemical movement in your brain when you're anxious versus when you're excited. So if you tell yourself, I'm just really excited right now, I just, it actually helps. So yeah, I think you're right. It can be negative and it can be positive. But that goes back to my original point. It's a thought. So whatever thought and emotion we're attaching to the anxiety or the thought itself is going to really dictate which outcome you're going to have with it. 100%. I agree. Because it's, it's what you're feeding that thought. And it, it can stem it from like a fear or like a thrill, like the, the excitement part of it. And again, paying attention and just having awareness to the triggers will dictate which, which way you're going to go. 
Exactly. And I always use the analogy, are you watering your flowers or are you watering your weeds? Because whichever one you're watering, that's going to grow more. I love that. That's a great flowers. analogy. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We don't want flowers. We always pluck and kill those weeds. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Almost like, like a slippery slope, like snowball effect though, because when I was, because here's the thing, like I'm, people already know this about me, so it's okay. Like I'm not a big college fan. Like I feel like, but I'm just saying like when I was in college, just like things that they even told me, like I used to like have anxiety taking tests. So they told me I had test anxiety, right? Where it's like, oh my gosh, like people like sniffing their nose or like turning the paper over, like tapping a pencil made me insane, like angry, right? <laughs> and um, I talked to a counselor at the college about it and they're like, oh, you have test anxiety. And I was like, all right, cool. Like I have test anxiety <laughs> where basically it would be like a slippery slope. So it'd be like, oh, I don't know the answer to this question. Therefore, I'm going to fail this whole test. I'm going to fail this class. I'm going to fail out of school. I'm going to be a homeless person that makes no money because I can't pass this. But it starts with like that one thing and snowballs into the other. So the counselor at the school is like really good about like, okay, like cover up the whole entire test. Focus on one question. If you don't know it, cool. Go with your gut. When you finish one page, put your pencil down. Just take a second, take a breather, relax. Like teaching different techniques so that it wasn't so like overwhelming when it was just like, one question. And I see people do this all the time, whether it's me coaching some of the girls on the basketball team, they think if they miss one shot, it's the end of the world. Or my mother, like we've talked about like different businesses she wants to start. And it's always with one tiny thing, but it leads into this giant thing that people make up in their own head. Just these random snowball effect of thoughts that aren't even real. (laughs) It hasn't even happened yet, but we make it in our head such a big deal. And then we attach to that and then feel that anxiety from something that doesn't even exist. Yep. That's exactly right. So that's dumb. So stop doing it. I'm just kidding. I <laughs> yeah. shouldn't say that because people do that. I did I think, it. Well, I think we all do it, but it just really comes down to our, are you aware of what's happening to you? Or are you just be well, like, oh my gosh, this is so like scary and painful. I need to run. And right. you don't, you don't even know what you're running from because then it's just going to, this recurring thought. So you have to manage all this stuff. And it, it, this from, from my own personal experience is like, when it comes on, it's like, oh my gosh, it's so scary. Like, I don't even know. And like, you freak out because then you're connected to that pain and the feeling. And you're like, hours later or days later, it passes. And the next time it comes up, you're just kind of like, wait, hold on. This sounds really familiar. What happened last time? And what can I do this time that would be different? Right. But yeah, I think kind of like what Aaron was saying was that you focus on one thing and then all of a sudden you're looking at this big, giant task or mission or whatever you have to accomplish. And it's really comes down to just like one little trigger, one little thought, one little idea. Yeah. Tiffany, how do you suggest, I know you do some coaching around this. What would be some tips and takeaways for that? I guess we've kind of all experienced anxiety at different levels. Sure. So the first thing is to ask yourself, when did this happen? When did this start? So that's the first thing. And I think that comes along the lines of having this self-awareness. So when did it start? Because you may be five days into this mess and it just keeps snowballing like we've all agreed. So first you need to identify when when did this happen? When did it start? And then use that information to really figure out what triggered it. So that's going to be a huge pay attention to your surroundings and your thoughts kind of thing. And then my third thing is 
have a go-to statement. So Erin kind of alluded to this earlier before she gets on stage to start talking. I have this this mantra that I tell myself to calm myself down. So you need to have that go-to statement, whether it's, hey, we've been through this before, I'm going to get through it, or I'm I'm a badass woman. I'm a confident woman. This is just something I'm super excited about. So you can also trick yourself and say, hey, I'm excited. Don't ignore it. That's something that a lot of people do. So definitely don't ignore it. So just acknowledge, hey, this is happening to me. I'm going to get through it. I've been through it before. And then also physical activity is huge. So I have found that on days where I'm eating and not exercising, I start to feel a little bit anxious. Not every time, but I do feel a little bit disconnected. So definitely physical activity is another thing especially be consistent about it. Changing locations is also another another thing. So if you're sitting at your desk feeling anxious or Aaron, if you're taking this test, get up and go to the bathroom, take a second, just breathe. Also, music is helpful for a lot of people too. So just having this pumped up playlist is helpful. But most importantly, I think a lot of people start shallow breathing when they're anxious. So just doing the box breathing, I don't know if you are aware of that, but it's basically breathe in for four, hold it for four, breathe out for four, hold it for four. So it's four seconds of, you know, breathe in, hold it for four seconds, breathe out for four seconds, hold it kind of thing. So that kind of gets your flow back in rhythm, if you will. So those are some tricks that you can use. Yeah. I definitely need to breathe more, I think. (laughs) But secondly, why is it when you said change the scenery? I'm like, yeah, go to Brazil or something. (laughs) Yeah, travel on your flight. (laughs) (laughs) Go somewhere. But I do have a question when you talk about like triggers, like identifying. So you said like, when did this start and what triggered it? So what happens if the trigger, like if you notice it's like a person in your life? Can it be a person? It definitely can be. I your attitude and thoughts toward this person, but... (laughs) Yes. Actually, something very common for a lot of people, I'm not going to point fingers, say names, because it's actually extremely common, but mother-in-laws tend to create a lot of anxiety for women. And since we're talking about confident women, I have a feeling that most people experience that. So, you know, you have to only do what you can control. You cannot control their thoughts towards you. And actually, it's really none of your business what their opinions are of you. No matter what you think, if they think if you are attaching the thought that your mother-in-law hates you, it's irrelevant to you. I know a lot of people get caught up in, in what other people think, but that's honestly irrelevant. And if you keep attaching this belief or lie that you keep telling yourself, it's going to create more anxiety. So you can do a few things. One, you can eliminate them. I know a lot of people are like, what if it's family? What if it's this? You can still eliminate how often you're communicating or being around that person. But I think the big key and the big takeaway is why are you anxious around that person? Is it something they said? Is it some sort of behavior toward them? You know, sometimes it can be a combination of both, but just having this mantra in your head that their opinion of you doesn't matter, I think is very important. Yeah, I I see like so many people that are like, hey, what did this person say about me or what do they think? Or I'm like, who gives a toot? Yeah, (laughs) you're not being a confident woman if you are considering other people's opinion. 
Yes. You got to own it. And I love that. Like one of the biggest takeaways for me during my personal growth was really not to take anything personal because I was on that other side where I really, really, really cared what other people thought. I, that was something that helped. I wanted to please them. Like I was that just that people pleaser. And if I didn't feel like I was making them happy, it was a knock on me and my value. And then when I, I let go of that belief, and started really owning like, okay, well, if I know I'm coming from the best place in my intentions, like that's all that matters. So their opinions have no bearing on who and what I do say, think, or feel. And that was like the biggest like flip in this direction because then it really focused... It allowed me to focus on me and not what everyone else was expecting. And when we as humans, like I, I get it, we're all, we all want to connect, we all want to belong, and we all want to be accepted. But yet, if we're too focused on pleasing other people or seeking their opinion and validation, then we're not really living our true authentic lives. And so we can't be confident in who we are with looking for other people to define us. I agree completely. It just sounds miserable. It was. <laughs> But I think we, I mean, so similar, like so many people just kind of experience it because we're all like, we care what people think, but yet we shouldn't let that define us. Like nobody wants to be told negative things, but we all want to receive words of encouragement or inspiration because that's just kind of fuel in our little gas tanks that just keep us going because we want, you know, who doesn't like to hear praises and nice things? I like to. I think we all do. (laughs) So Tiffany, so what happened where you decided, hey, I'm pretty good at managing this stuff. And there's a lot of other women that struggle. I'm going to start like coaching and helping other women. Yeah. So it really just started out as my friends coming to me asking for advice. Like, how would you handle this? What direction would you go this way or that way? And I would offer up my opinion and give some guidance. But really, I started to notice a theme about anxiety and all these women that were coming to me, it all centered around anxiety. So I just opened up the door to kind of offer this help to any woman who was seeking it. And actually a few men too, but I like to focus on women just because it can be more relatable. And it really honestly started out as people coming to me for advice. And then you're like, I'm good at this. I'm going to keep doing it. Right. Yeah. Actually, a few of my friends told me you should do this full time. And while it's my passion, you know, it's something I do on the side for fun, really, because I love it. I love figuring out the psychology of the way we think and do what we do and what we say and how we think. I, I just, I'm in love with that process and kind of digging a little bit deeper into why we think the thoughts that we think or do the things we do. Yeah, that's intriguing. It really so you, is. That's like fascinating. Reading. Yeah. Um, so you're reading all the time, learning. Constantly, yeah. Driving in. And then so you probably notice your own anxiety getting way better. Obviously, you've learned ways to manage it, but now it's like, does it exist still? Yeah, I, th- I think it's something that's always going to pop up randomly. I do notice triggers now, so obviously I can do things about that. But yeah, it definitely comes up. It's not something that you're going to completely get over, but it's definitely manageable for anyone who thinks it's debilitating for their health. It's definitely manageable and it's a lot more freeing once you accept that you can control it. Right. So what would you say too to somebody? Because I feel like anxiety 
at a high level could probably add a little extra stress, I guess, to like relationships, for example, if you're in a relationship with someone who doesn't struggle and say you do, how they can, how you explain to them that this happens to me, it's not you, it's whatever. Sometimes I have to do whatever to handle my anxiety. Does that make sense? Like, I feel like I, if I were dating someone with anxiety, I wouldn't know what to do if they had an attack. Rachel, what would you do? <laughs> yeah, that is a good question. Because I mean, I, well, and I think you just kind of being on the flip side of that as well. I mean, because if you're going through it, then, you know, having, having a partner or a friend in that position, you should be able to know warning signs and triggers right. kind of help cope help them cope along with it Not because it, it is two people in a relationship. So you never want to see somebody like just kind of sinking and stand by and like, Oh, well, that sucks to be you. Like, you know, you want to help them the best that you can offer them, you know, an or, or like throw a rope to them because you're in that with them and you're committed to being understanding, compassionate, and just aware of the things that maybe when we're in this mess, we don't realize right. it's happening to us. Right. It makes me think about like when I, I've told this story before, but when I first started dating Ryan and he was in his nothing box for the first time. Yes. And I was, um, and I was like, dude, this guy's crazy. Like all of a sudden, whatever. But I guess like you talk about it and figure it out. But I think exactly what you said too. Like, so PS, by the way, we lost Tiffany on our connection. So she'll be back in like one second. But so, so you're listening to non-experts on anxiety, but well, we might be experts. I don't know. Yeah, I think we're all experts at some some things in our life because if we've navigated through certain things, then I think I feel like it doesn't matter about degrees and certificates to make one an expert. It's really how you've overcome a certain situation or life experience that if you've equipped yourself with the tools, it's almost like a due diligence to give back to others to help them find the right tools and equipment to navigate through life. Because you never want to see somebody like down in a pit and just keep walking by. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like the word expert is thrown out too much because it's never really about the mass credentials and lengthy, you know, stays at colleges and, right. and such. So that's what like we best... earlier. Some of the most brilliant people in the world, you don't need a certification for someone to tell you that you are good at something or know how to. Exactly. The best form of education is life experience. Life. Yeah. Hi, Tiff. Can you hear us? Yes. I don't know what happened. Did you have any anxiety when the, when it dropped? No, I didn't. I was like, Good. I thought it was your fault. I was like, what <laughs> we were still here. We just, uh, we just took over answering our own questions. So. So it's all good. We'll finish up here soon though. But the, the question that we answered ourselves, I don't know if you heard, we were talking about like relationships. If you're in a relationship with someone that has anxiety, what are some key things someone could do? Yeah. So telling someone to calm down is not helpful. I'm sure that's an answer you guys said, but it's definitely a good idea. Yeah. Just acknowledging the fact that, hey, you're going through something. I'm here. Let me know if if I can do something in particular, but also something that Greg does for me that's super helpful. It's like, take a deep breath. Even though it sounds extremely simple, I I think I kind of mentioned this earlier, we start shallow breathing when we're anxious and we may or may not even be aware of that, but having someone remind you to take a deep breath. So don't, don't just say breathe, you know, actually have them practice it with you. So, Hey, let, let's breathe in. Mm-hmm. And breathe out and do that a few times, I think is super helpful. So a lot of people are different though. Depends. Right. Are there any tips or tricks that you guys recommended? Um, 
Yeah, yes, we were similar to that, but we didn't have the we didn't say it so eloquently. Yeah, not <laughs> made it way simpler, so that was better. Yes, but, but I think for listeners, when we say we start breathing shallow and taking a deep breath, do you mean when we become anxious, we start to breathe in our in our lungs, not our belly? And that's the disconnect is that we almost, well, for us to take in that full breath and then when we say the deep breath, we really want to feel it in our belly. So I know for me, when I feel like freaking out, something's taking hold of me, I'm like, I'll put, I'll put a hand on my belly and a hand on my, my, like across my chest and feel the two breathe as one. And that actually takes my mind from what is, you know, the attention and focus on what I'm supposed to be doing at task, which is... Sure. And our brain is really tricky because its only job is to have something to think about constantly. So it's a lot of chaos. So yeah, Rachel, that's a great tip. Focus on your breathing. And I, I sometimes do that too, where I'll put my hand on my belly and my chest at the same time and just try to get that in alignment. Yeah, because our brains are not designed to actually think more than one thought at a time. And I know that we're, we all claim we're multitaskers and everything, but yeah, if your brain is, is focused on the, the trigger and now you're telling it to focus on the breath, it can't think of the trigger at the same time. That's deep. You're right. <laughs> yes. Science. All right. So good. Well, this has been super helpful. Is there, um, if people are listening and they want to reach out to you, what's, um, obviously we'll put all this in the show notes, but what's um, a good way people could reach out to you? Yeah. So the best way is on Instagram and my handle is Tiffany Michelle Inc. It's spelled exactly like it sounds. So no weird spellings there. That's the best way to connect. All right. Perfect. So we'll put that in there. And then, yeah, is there anything else that you want to add or anything that you didn't get a chance to mention that's important to you that you want to get a chance to before we finish? Well, Kind of, yeah. I just want to add one more thing. We kind of mentioned it very briefly, but I think it's very important for people to realize that your mind is a muscle. So it actually needs work to build that. So it's just like any physical exercise. You're not going to grow quads overnight if you don't go to the gym. Mm-hmm. And it's it's the same with your with your thinking and your brain. You have to train it every single day. And to that kind of, it it was a little ironic, but also going to the gym and eating well is also extremely helpful. Right. Just through physical movement, we're able to release a lot of that, you know, mental and emotional buildup that could like harvest these triggers within us. Definitely. Physical activity is a great way. Even you don't necessarily have to go to the gym, you know, just even get up and like dance, throw on some music. Yeah. Move your body move and it helps almost like just release. It's a way of like, you know, how we sweat, you know, it's a, it's a way of like perspiring anxiety. We're physically getting rid of it in our body. Yes. So sweat it out. Yes. Or dance it out or work it out. Yeah. However you got to just get it through. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Well, thank Whatever you so you much, Tiffany. This has been really, really helpful. I think you've covered a lot of tips for our listeners and just understanding like, you know, even if you're not physically going through the anxiety, but to know that if you have a partner or a friend who's experienced it, you are now aware of like what triggers to look for, how to help them navigate and just kind of be like that support system for, for your friends. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks a lot. If you need help and you need strategies, reach out to Tiffany. (laughs) Thanks girls. Have a great day and we'll talk soon. Thanks Tiffany. All right. Thank you so much for listening to the Confident Woman podcast. 
For more ways to connect with us, check out our Facebook group. It's The Confident Woman on Facebook. There's a ton of amazing ladies in that group that you can connect with as well. My Instagram is at Aaron underscore travels for life. Make sure you go ahead and follow that and follow Rachel as well. What is yours, Rachel? You can follow me on all social medias at I am Rachel Brooks. Awesome. Thanks so much. Look forward to checking you next week.